Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. Uh, oh, that's... And, oh, I... uh, I'm sorry. Are we are we absent to... Oh, we're absent to Mark Finch. I guess this week <laughs> I'm your host, Daniel Barnett, and I welcome back to the show guest co-host, my brother from another mother, Eric Barnett. How's it going today, Daniel? Uh, it's going well. And if, uh, if you don't mind me telling folks, you are on the road somewhere in the southwestern United States with several hundred miles between you and your next destination. So we thought we would uh, do a little phone call. Uh, how's, how's the trip going? Oh, it's going well. I'm in that one part of Arizona where it's flat and looks pretty. You know, that one part. <laughs> Just that one? Yeah. Well, let, let, let me ask you a question, Daniel. Yeah. What do you think of when I say, I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> that noise is what I think of. So we are talking today about, well, obviously right now, everyone's talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And we do want to eventually on this show talk about that, but wanted to wait for, for Chops to be back next week. So in fact, we're going to have a two-parter, an extended edition Nerd Association. Uh, and we thought this week we would tackle uh, the original, the theatrical cut. I had never seen the theatrical cut until today, or the last, you know, 12 hours, because I just I had avoided it. We've talked on the show before. A lot of the DC properties are, are pretty hard to watch, and so I had just kind of avoided it. But I knew going into talking or watching the Snyder Cut of, of Justice League, like, there, I had to see the theatrical cut. I had to know what the differences are. Yeah, I actually saw, I, I on my trip, I stopped at a house in Albuquerque, and he's like, let's watch the Snyder Cut. And I was like, absolutely, let's watch the Snyder Cut. I've been waiting for this. You have to tell me, you know, I haven't seen the theatrical version. And I was like, I would actually like to talk to you between when you see the theatrical and before you see the Snyder Cut. Because I kind of want to get, I kind of wanted to debrief you a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, it's important to mention now that one half of our our booth today, so to speak, has seen the Snyder Cut. I have not, and we do not intend to spoil anything about the Snyder Cut. So for once, we actually kind of have a spoiler-free edition of Nerd Association, <laughs> which is unusual. Normally, I, I cast that aside, and I also did not. Uh, I did not. R- read or look into anything about either the theatrical cut or the Snyder cut, which is also rare for me. That is rare for you, yeah. (laughs) But it was requested of me that I go in blind, and, you know, I I honored that. And you probably wish you would have stayed blind for for the majority of this movie. (laughs) You know, (laughs) let me say this. It wasn't as bad as I thought it—I don't don't think it was great, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Man, I I felt like the shadow of Joss Whedon loomed heavily over this script. Yeah, I think most people kind of somewhat know the story of what went on. Uh, I don't know how deep you want to go into that. Well, go ahead and give us the the, short version. Yeah, give us the cliff notes. The short version. version being Zack Snyder did Man of Steel, did Batman v Superman, and he kind of had a vision for this whole arc he wanted to take over those two movies and a multi-part Justice League kind of movie. He sort of had the, a universe he was trying to build. And long story short, at one point he had a four-hour cut of this Justice League movie. And also, unfortunately, during that time period, his daughter passed away. So... That's the factual part of it. There's murkiness in whether he was asked to step away or he voluntarily stepped away or the four-hour cut was too long. But what the resulted was he stepped away from the the four-hour movie. They brought in Joss Whedon to do some reshoots, to do some rewrites, and really – Top it in half, essentially. 
so I, I, I if I'm being honest, I don't know if I knew all of that. I knew parts of that. So it's it's also worth noting that of course Joss Whedon was on was part of the MCU team. Oh yeah. And I have a and of course then was was not asked back. And uh <laughs> knowing what I know about Joss Whedon uh and having seen this script. So one of the questions uh, let me let me backtrack for just a second. One of the questions that I asked myself so many times during this film was why Justice League right now? Clearly, they needed to do a few more movies of world building for these other characters. The Flash, which we now, the movie's not even out yet for The Flash, but we know there's one coming. Aquaman came out a year yep. later. Um, there had, of course, been sort of origin stories for Batman, Superman, and for Wonder Woman at this point. I believe Wonder Woman at this point. Yep. Um, yeah. And of course, some of that was handled in movie, but there was a there was a lot of times I said, "Why did they 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 jumped too early on this movie? They should have waited until they had more background." Because one of my big complaints about this theatrical cut is they spend so much time on character building and yet don't build characters. They spend so much oh, time on the background stuff, yeah. but they don't really fill. It, but even then, they don't really fill in the characters. The DC universe has this issue in movies. Suicide Squad's the same way. They spend this time on backstory, and you still don't feel like you have fleshed out characters. Well, I said even even like starting all the way back into Man of Steel, into Batman v Superman. I mean, we had a situation where it really seemed like. They took a look over at Marvel and they said, we got to catch them mm -hmm. and we got to catch them now. But Marvel has built that. It, you know, it wasn't the 23 movie juggernaut that it is now, but it was certainly 15, 16, you know. Yeah. And Marvel, what Marvel did is they started small. They started with Iron Man, right. you know. And, and, and they didn't even really intend at that point to get to where they did. But through, like, some clever retconning, mm -hmm. some planning, and a lot of luck, they managed to do what they did. And it just – it seemed like DC was trying to take the fast track to that and all the evidence that shows you why you shouldn't do that is there in this movie. Well, and it's – I think that you're playing into the thing that I was about to say or was starting on with Joss Whedon and got kind of sound – or soundtracked, sidetracked. Joss Whedon directed, wrote and directed the Avengers, right? Which is the first big event yeah. movie uh, of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you finally get the team together. Okay, funny that he would then yep. come yep. to write Justice League, but you have to think that <laughs> in writing that film, Joss Whedon was let in on some of the trajectory of where the MCU was going, right? That it's it's going to culminate in this story about the Infinity Stones. It's oh going yeah, to, right. So he yeah, knew he. There was a point in time in the MCU where Kevin Feige actually stepped in and he said, you know, I think we got a thing here. Let's figure out where this is going to go. Let's rein this all in and make a plan. And that, that thing alone, that's where the Thor movie, the Captain America movie came. And, and that's really what let that all happen. I don't think they knew necessarily exactly where they were headed. They knew enough to know – Thanos is going to be it, mm -hmm. but yeah, they definitely set a, a trajectory, which at this point, they do have it very intensely planned out what's happening. Right, and so you have to think that Joss Whedon is in on that, and in fact, in an effort to give a big middle finger to Marvel, which Marvel and DC have always done, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Took a lot of those concepts and wrote them into Justice League. The the mother the mother <laughs> the mother boxes are just Infinity Stones. Um, Steppenwolf is just a dumbed down version of Thanos, but he certainly teases Darkseid, uh, which is probably well, more let, of the equivalent of Thanos, right? Well, let me let me ask you this: He's definitely a, an analog of Thanos. But wait, but a like shitty one. Said. Can I just say that it's a shitty analog of Thanos? And we'll come to that about no. how anticlimactic it is. Sorry, go ahead. See, having well, seen the Snyder Cut. Having seen the Snyder Cut, like we said, I will not spoil, but I also, I know things. I drink and I know things. <laughs> I have a couple questions for you, having seen this theatrical trailer fresh in mind. Okay. Number one, where does Steppenwolf come from? 
so I only know this because I looked, I Wikipedia'd Steppenwolf because I had no okay. background. So Steppenwolf comes from Apocalypse, which is not spelled the way that word is normally spelled, which is a planet. Right. And it's a sister planet yeah. of some like Garden of Eden world that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, yes. Uh, but, but as far as what the movie you just saw told you. <laughs> yeah. It, he comes where from space. Where is Steppenwolf from? He comes yeah. from space. Okay. Yeah. What is his mission? To uh, rule the world, to rule Earth. Okay. And the mother boxes. Wh- what and why? That See, hazy. What? Okay. Power, powerful thing. Powerful energy source. Uh-huh. Why? Yep. They don't, I don't feel that they answer that question. I just wanted you to, to realize that that's something that you don't know. Right. Based on the based on the viewing of this movie, right? Okay. I, I want to save. So I I know where you're headed, and I want to save the discussion on why an extended cut for a little bit later because I I do think. Oh no, I'm that I'm leaving it at that until you watch until you keep going. Yep, yep. I just even within this conversation, I want to talk about why <laughs> I, I think an extended cut is necessary, but I don't think we're there yet. Sure, sure. I I also felt like even things like uh, Thor. Thor and Aquaman, there are a lot of cognates there of like the drunken prince oh, yeah. of blah, 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 who yeah. is a loner and as a badass. And, and even so much as like having him come into rock music felt very much like when uh, in Thor Ragnarok, when Thor like enters with uh, the immigrant song, like that felt very, uh, yep. having the, the uh, Barry Allen character be almost identical to the Tom Holland Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. I get it to an extent with when it comes to superhero media, there's like, I don't know, 50 traits that you can choose from. And then you just like take them and you shake them in a bag and you pull out three and that's your superhero. Right. And I get that to an extent. And I know from history, Marvel and DC have always cribbed things from one another. Oh yeah. Even down to cyborg is, is the vision of, of this movie because he's created by one of the powerful sources and can tap into it. Vision is created by an Infinity Stone. Cyborg is created because of a mother box. It's all the way down to at the I believe it's the post credit scene where yeah. you meet Slade Wilson, who's basically Wade Wilson. You know it, that that one is like the most obvious one. Yeah, yeah. So Marvel and DC have been doing that back and forth at each other for years. Obviously, DC sort of came along first with. Your favorite character, Superman. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. We'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just keep a stiff upper lip when you're when you're talking about Superman in this movie. You mean like uh, Henry Cavill's uh, digitally removed mustache? <laughs> Let me know the point where you want to talk about obvious reshoots. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Well, let's go ahead and talk about obvious reshoots. You know more about the history of the making of this film, so tell me, like, and I don't think this is spoiling anything, being the extended cut being what it is, there are scenes that were shot that will appear in both. There are scenes that were in the theatrical cut that will also be in the extended edition, but I'm sure there are places then where you realize... 100%. Yeah, but I'm sure then that makes it clear, like, where reshoots happened for the theatrical. So are there any that are, like, painfully stand out to you? Well, the most obvious, the most obvious, and we all knew it because it was a meme before the movie came out, was Superman's mustache. The background of that being they had done all the principal photography for the four-hour cut of Justice League. Then when Joss Whedon comes, he decided, I need to get Henry Cavill back. I need to shoot some more scenes. Well, Henry Cavill was filming a Mission Impossible movie and had grown a mustache and was contractually from Justice League and contractually bound to having that mustache. Right. So instead of just saying, we're going to make the footage work, and let me tell you, there's a four-hour movie of footage that existed. Right. Anyway, they're like, instead of making this footage work, we're just going to do the worst possible digital taking that mustache out it's to the point where I've seen people do like deep fakes on a on a personal computer and come up better. So that is exactly as bad 
as they said it is. So that, <laughs> I mean, that's the obviously most egregious. Right. Now, are you, are you familiar with Jonathan's work beyond, like, Avengers? Yeah. Oh, I, well, so I've been recently okay. rewatching Firefly. And okay. something that is true of that movie or that f- series that continues to be true through all of Joss Whedon's work is that Joss Whedon doesn't write characters. He just writes vehicles for him to say clever things. And uh, yes. this movie is uh, painfully me just going, these characters are horribly inconsistent. There's a, <laughs> there's a narrative th- through line, but there's not a character arc. And it's just basically reasons for... Joss Whedon sets up situations for him to feel clever by putting his words in the mouth of a of an actor, and it makes it makes me crazy. I will say that is one thing where you could almost I would say that if you set out watching this movie for the first time with the idea in your head, I'm going to make a check mark on a piece of paper every time I know Joss Whedon reshot that to put in a clever quip <laughs> yep i would say you would bat in the 95 percentile <laughs> can i tell you one that made me so i was keeping a cringe count during the film and i yeah. actually i'll say that i yeah. didn't i didn't make as many cringe marks as i thought i would but those were almost reliably moments where i was like oh hi joss whedon one of them that is like such a <laughs> joss whedon thing to do is the pain laugh snark where like a character gets hit hard, they uh, are clearly supposed to be like in in visceral pain. They make a smart remark, and then both of the people who are in pain laugh at, about it. So it's the like Superman uh. getting hit with the shockwave, and he inside like he being like, "Oh, I guess I really do want to die." And then he and Cyborg are like, "Ha ha ha ha!" It's like, uh. oh god. It's I so think painful. I think the one that did it for me the most, and I can't remember. Ex- the exact line, but after they had resurrected Superman, mm-hmm. Batman gets his ass handed to him, and he's laying on the grass, and he says something like, "I'm getting too old for this," or something yep. like that. Oh man, I like I sprained an eyeball rolling it <laughs> into the back of my head. I remember sitting there in the theater just, and I knew it was going to be bad because I will say I hated Batman v Superman, hated yeah. it. To the extent where Andrea, my wife for your listeners, and I watched Batman v Superman, and we're, we just hated it so much that we got in an argument in the parking lot, and I don't remember what it was about. We were just so salty that we had sat through that, that like the first thing somebody said, the other person was just like, I'm ready to go to blows over this. I need to get, <laughs> I need to exercise the demons of that movie. <laughs> I knew this was going to be bad. Yeah. It's it's just, it was bad in an embarrassing sort of way. You know, the thing that I think also is disappointing about it is that I, there were moments in the movie where I went, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought. I had hope. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you when I lost, hope is like a river. It's snakes, blah, blah, blah. That was another one that was just, I just, that was the very, that was the opening line of the movie, Eric. It was the opening line of the movie, and that's what I decided to keep the cringe count. It happened so fast that I didn't even have to go back and rewatch because I Uh, knew immediately I needed a cringe count. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something where like, I, I wasn't thinking about that in the theater. I just, and, and I, I think you and I are on the same page where growing up, we were DC people. It was all about Batman. It was all about in the animated series there was an x-men thing that came out but i certainly didn't know anything about iron man yeah or or captain america and but it was dc there was some good and some not so good superman and batman movies Mm -hmm. but like this is this is what i wanted as a five through 15 year old yeah they're both too early and too late. Yeah. In the same way yeah. that the characters are both over play overplayed and underdeveloped. You like you don't think you can have it both ways, but you can. Yeah. There's it straddles the line between you know, I don't need my movies to be like gritty and set in this world. I don't need Batman Begins, although 
I love Dark Knight. I don't need it to be hyper realistic like a lot of things in Marvel movies until they we went into space and started doing magic and things. Right. I don't need that. I it, it is a comic book. They somehow turned it into like bad cosplay and and that I can't forgive. <laughs> Marvel built up to it in a way that could make it believable though, right? They didn't yeah. start yeah. there. They, they over the course of right. films, they slowly made you comfortable with this idea, and then by the time it really was like you said, in space and doing magic and like multi dimensions, you could buy into it because the groundwork had been laid. Sure, yeah, and they they gave it to you a little bit at a time. Right. They're like, okay, now you now that you saw this, you're ready for this. DC and and you know, I used to watch. You know, there was the great Batman animated series, yeah. which led to the great Superman animated series, great Justice League, and the Timbers, the Bruce Timbers. Yeah. And they did all these things. They were fantastical. Absolutely. It was a cartoon, but you were with it. You followed right. them with it. This, it, it was the least common denominator of gritty and cartoon. It, it took the worst of both. <laughs> well, right, and it couldn't pick a tone. That's the other thing is had right. they even yeah. picked one tone and gone with it, they they could have pulled it off. This movie could have been DC should be able to be gritty, right? Batman is right, gritty. Yeah. Well, Superman isn't. He and that's another issue. You don't put them in the same movie together because the tones are too different. Which is probably one of the reasons you hated Batman v Superman because you can't have that them together and have the same tone in a film and it makes sense. They're just too different. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it just. I'll tell you when I knew the movie was in trouble when I looked at the timer and there was 16 minutes left in the film and they were just like <laughs> starting to just starting to fight the big bad. And I thought there is no yeah. possible way this wraps up in a satisfying way. And boy, howdy, was I right. It was the dumbest. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, it says conclu in big letters, conclusion is so stupid. Yeah. Steppenwolf is supposed to be the biggest bad that they've ever faced. And his axe gets broken and he suddenly pees his pants and all of his flyboys, his fireflies come in and bite him to death. That is such a stupid, unsatisfying ending. I couldn't even believe how dumb it was. I, uh, I, I forgot that's how it ended. If I hadn't been so close to the end, I might have rage quit. Because then I was like, well, now I'm in, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. But it just... It just... Well, I'll, I'll just tell you, I forgot that's how it ended, which bodes well for your next few weeks. Yeah. So can I can I talk about the problem of Superman? And this this movie to me is the yeah. most perfect demonstration of why Superman should not be in anything. Uh, Superman is certainly OP. Like he's overpowered from the get go. The only the yeah, the only time there was dramatic tension in this movie, and and I mean this because I really thought about it. Like, am I bringing my bias into it? But no. The only time there was dramatic tension in this movie was when Superman forgot he was Superman and started decimating <laughs> the other members of the Justice League. That was the only time where there was jeopardy that I believed, and it's the problem with Superman, is that the only time there is a threat in a movie in which he is in is when he's the threat. By yeah. extension, the moment he shows up to the Steppenwolf fight, the dramatic tension su got sucked so hard out of the rest of the film. There was no more tension because once Superman showed up, he was you knew that he was just going to be better than everybody else. And that's the other thing, too. When you have a Justice League, when you have an ensemble, the idea is that each superhero has specific stuff they're good at. And so they work together right. to get stuff done. And they were otherwise right. in the film. They were pretty good about showing you what that was. Mm -hmm. They were pretty good at doing division of labor. And you, you know, oh, yeah, until they had a guy that could just come in and solve everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And all and all he had to do to beat Steppenwolf, he put his lips together and blow. And that's it. And then Steppenwolf <laughs> peed his pants and got eaten to death by his Firefly boys, which, uh, again, <laughs> I just I cannot tell you how unbelievably stupid. And then the other thing, they really tried to do the thing where they had like a powerful female protagonist being the head of the team and having, by the way, Gal Gadot is wonderful and I love her as Wonder Woman. I think that they're, of oh, all yeah. of them, they've yeah. gotten that one the most right. 
Well, yeah, yeah, she absolutely embodies that character. And the the thing, her solo movie, I haven't seen the the newest one. Now, what I appreciated about her first solo movie is that they came up, they had powerful female character without having it look like box checking. Yes. Without having, without looking like they were going for woke points in a way that was disingenuous. And this movie was ever was that it was check it felt like check boxes and disingenuousness. It just seemed like every everything that they did was unearned. Yeah, absolutely. Like every move that was made, not just her, like just every move, every plot point, every uh, yeah. like like me asking you who is Steppenwolf, where is he from, what's his motivation, and why? Yeah. What are the motor mother boxes? What are they? Why? It's it's nothing is earned. It's all just like we're just gonna slide this past you with a quick visual and a and a little laugh and an inopportune time yeah. and just, you know hope hope you can get by without asking too many questions. And there are so <laughs> many and in that way there are so many squandered opportunities for them to to actually earn it that they just didn't bother with. And it's not even a time oh. thing. They just didn't bother. <laughs> you wanna you wanna talk characters like what what do you know about any of the other characters what do you know about aquaman what do you know about cyborg what do you know about barry allen you know i i will say this which i think is interesting um i felt that the cyborg and barry allen character developments were the most consistent at least and that i did in fact feel like i knew something about them and their motivations to an extent now I understand Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman all had their own movies up to this point, and so we yeah. we got their yeah. backstory from there. And I'm not asking for that in this film, but uh, Aquaman to me was a complete waste. I don't know anything about <laughs> his background, and and I don't know was the Aquaman solo movie supposed to come out before Justice League, and then it just didn't work that way. I don't know. Um, I just I don't know the answer to yeah. that. I, I it felt I just that way. Aquaman was. I I felt like he just came across as like overly broy. Yeah. If that's a if that's a word. Again, in and, a way and, that in a way that Thor would become, but it made sense for his character arc. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nothing about nothing yeah, the, about that character landed. Not only did I not know anything about him as a character, I didn't know anything about him as a person because again, he was a vehicle for Snark, not really a character. And then what are Here's my here's my blue drop of the uh, of the episode. What are Aquaman's fucking powers other than they they like make a joke out of that? Do you talk to fish? The water does the talking for me. And like all he does ever is push water a couple of times and then he punches things and stabs things with his trident while his pentent pentent it's not a trident. And and the de- right, and by right, the way right. doesn't even do that well. The one time where he has an opportunity to do like a cool thing he gets launched from the Batmobile into some of those Firefly boys, and he could do a thing where he like stabs three of them through and then lands on them. But instead, he gets caught by them and then does the Legolas riding a enemy like a like a shield <laughs> snowboard thing it, in a way yeah. that isn't even. It's not even like a clever nod to it. It's just like it's one of those moments where it's like, oh, you saw Lord of the Rings? Well, look at this. We can do it too. Did he say a dumb line when he was doing it, like kick ass or something? Did he? Yes. I I, I just seem to remember a yeah. ton of like really dumb one-liners with like guitar riffs. Yes. Is, is that all was I his whole, re- Yeah. That's all his character was was like a few was one-liners, and again they played they tried to play like cool music when he did stuff. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know people just like that. Right, but <laughs> but yeah, but. Why? Why does that make me care about Aquaman? I mean, let's let's be real. Aquaman always has kind of been lame, but he could in, be in, so cool. He's an Atlantean, absolutely. right? I mean, absolutely. They yep. could they could do the Thor thing with him if it were at all earned, but they well, just don't. And, and what what do you know about Atlantis? What do you know about Themyscira? Now they they Nothing. did in the Wonder Woman movie. They talked a little. You kind of got a little bit about Themyscira, but nothing. Yeah. Yes. It's it's all back to nothing was earned. 
They just threw it on the page. Hey, I put it in the movie, so it's there it is. Right. You know? Can, can I tell you another moment that really disappointed me too? Because I hadn't, because I didn't know it until I realized it. He says, sound, trying to sound smart. They showed the Green Lantern core in the uh, big fight in the past showing up. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, Green Lantern's going to show up. And of course he didn't. That was it. Okay. I do know a little bit of behind that. Okay. I do know that actually all the way back to Zack Snyder, he wanted to bring in, like, not Hal Jordan, but John Stewart Green Lantern yeah. in, like, the third act or in a four-hour movie, like the seventh act. <laughs> um, but he actually got pushed back from D.C. where two things had happened. The Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, the, the bad taste of that was still in everybody's mouth. Yeah, And also, they're like, well, you know, we want to do something with him in the future, so you can't use him yet. So if it's in the, you know, the, the one thing I can get behind, I don't know how much you know about the Green Lantern Corps, but... Oh, a little, the from, way from the, the cartoons. The, I remember some from the cartoons. So, yeah, the way the Green Lantern Corps works, it's like each green lantern has a sector that he sees over right so it's not like there's going to be multiple per planet which is why you see one right you know what i mean and and when that one dies the ring gets passed on to the next so it does make perfect sense why you would see that in the past now why that wouldn't show up in the future yeah that's a that's pretty glaring Again, and I get, and I get um, with movies like these. I know that there are Easter eggs. I know there are little things for fans, and I know that sure. as a person yep. who is not a DC super fan, in the same way that I've become a Marvel super fan, I get that there were probably things that I missed. But that just felt like yeah. there was no reason you couldn't have Green Lantern in this, except for the contractual reasons that you're talking about. But if they had just yep. waited yep. and made this movie when they could pay off things, yeah they would have been able to do all those things and it would have been satisfying. And they, by trying to beat Avengers to the infinity war type thing, let's laugh at that for a second because they failed in 2017 miserably. And it's now 2021, <laughs> yeah. two years after Endgame, And they're finally dropping the Snyder cut that could have been the cognate, right? That could have done it. So they lost anyway, because it took them six years to do or not six years, my math's bad. Four years <laughs> to do right, right. To just do it, right? Maybe I don't know. I haven't seen the Snyder Cut. There, there's one thing that while I was watching the Snyder Cut, and I can say this now because this is not a spoiler, is the Snyder Cut we have now the same Snyder Cut we would have had then? Sure. And I will put out the argument that I don't think so. It, I believe there was only one reshoot. For the Snyder Cut, and on the next episode, if you don't, if you haven't figured out what that is, I can tell you. Yeah. But I really don't believe that what you're going to watch next is what we would have gotten, because I really think that the circumstances of this, he had something to prove at this point. Right. Before he was he was trying to make this movie, and he had he had this vision or at least this plan. And he was going to follow through with this plan. And when he was out of the picture, the studio saw a four-hour movie. And they're like, let's bring in the guy that did Avengers and let's rein it in and let's cash the checks. Not knowing that, let, let's get to it right now. Yeah. Why is, why is two hours not enough? Precisely. <laughs> Other movies do it. And, and admittedly, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame needed two movies they did yep. to, to tell that story well but then recognize that and know by the way you can make two movies worth of money if you're <laughs> if you split it up you know when when you when you watch the cut i actually i actually watched about half of it and then went out and had lunch and came back and watched half of it later the snyder cut is actually split up sort of like i believe it's six or seven parts okay you don't necessarily have to watch it as a four-hour thing and actually this is the only primer that i would like to give people who are interested in seeing the snyder cut yeah there, there are six or seven parts 
every time the part ends and goes to a new part is a good place to stop and take a breather if you feel like it. You can watch all four hours. You can watch each part as like a 45-minute long section. It's going to feel okay doing it either way. Gotcha. The next, the next thing is, and, and I figured this out pretty early on in watching the Snyder Cut. So when he went back to assemble all this, I believe they gave him $70 million to finish it. Yeah. $70 million is not enough to get four hours worth of special effects to Marvel standards. <laughs> so if you go into this, four, it, it just isn't. It, so if you go into this wanting to see, wanting everything to look like you could look out your window and see it, you're going to pick this movie apart and you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. But if you look at this movie like they are, they are looking to make a comic world come to life, let your 5 to 12-year-old person watch this movie for you. Basically, basically, the lack of cynicism that you tried to take into this theatrical Bring that lack of cynicism with you in on this one and let me know how it feels. Yeah. I, and see, I I always try to do that. I And I know it's like it's not it's like not vogue to go in to try to like watch a movie the way that your kid brain would have. But right. I, I right. always try to go into it. And, and we we and we don't have to talk about it here. But like the Star Wars sequel trilogy, there are legitimate arguments to be made about it being bad but i think some of the ones that people point at are just them being cynical about films and i don't i don't well, buy into you're that you're talking you're talking a person that hates last jedi that hates uh dark knight rises yeah and i i don't know how i was able to do it but the last episode of mandalorian season two i was able to watch that as a 10 year old yeah. and I, I just think I think so much media is ruined these days by that that internet troll cynicism, and so that's why, especially yeah. doing this show, like I try to give things the benefit of the doubt, even if I've heard how bad they are. I gave Justice League the benefit of the doubt, and it it, it disappointed me, and that hurt because I wanted to believe, I wanted to believe. Sure, in it. <laughs> that internet thing actually is the only, to, in my opinion is the only reason that anybody could gripe unrightfully so as well, but anybody could gripe about WandaVision. Yeah. The bad thing that happened with WandaVision is instead of dropping nine episodes all at once, like Netflix will do a lot of the time, we had a week to pick everything apart and think of like, Oh man, what did that mean? What was right. that? And everybody, their mind run rampant and everybody made a list of demands from WandaVision and when those lists of demands weren't met, they decided it was bad. Well, I, I, I would make the same argument about the Star Wars sequel trilogy to an extent. I think one of the issues with those movies is people decided there was a way they should happen. And when it didn't, they revolted. I'm, again, that's not to sure. say that it's perfect, sure. but I do think part of the reception of those movies was people made this version of that they thought was the right thing. And when it didn't come yeah. true, they felt hurt or betrayed somehow. And that's stupid. Well, I, <laughs> I, I also draw a comparison to this DC Universe with the Star Universe sequel trilogy in that they didn't have a plan. Right. J.J. Abrams went in, made a movie, set a lot of mysteries in place that he didn't solve. Right. Ryan Johnson came in. There, there wasn't a clear path for Ed. He said, I'm going to take it this direction, which some people enjoyed, some people didn't. And then J.J. Abrams had to back clean up at the end. Yeah. Whereas a Kevin Feige or, you know, I have, I have all kinds of problems I can poke at the, at the prequel trilogy, but none of those problems is George Lucas not having a plan. Right. Because those prequel trilogies, he had set, like, when you're watching Phantom Menace, you're like, why do I care about trade routes? Why right. do I care? By the time you get through, you're like, oh, it's because he was pulling the strings. Right. 
and it yeah yeah and no, I, well, bringing this, in Josh Whedon on this yeah thank you I was gonna say there might have been bring a plan it, let's bring yeah, it back around bring it from back. Star Wars I'm with you I'm with you <laughs> it it just fell apart yeah it fell apart because they they set out to do a thing and you brought in another guy and told him cut it in half and and add your sin. And it's it's just impossible to make good art that way. It, it it is. It's it, and I think that's the thing. Is it just it feels disjointed, and this is why. So I'm I have the benefit now of watching Justice League, the theatrical cut, knowing there is an extended edition. Right, I have that benefit now yeah. of knowing. Right, there are potentially issues in the theatrical cut that are going to be remedied right. by the extended editions. Right. I, I thought about the comparison with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I actually don't know how you feel about the Lord of the Rings, the 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 you know the original trilogy, not the Hobbit. We don't need to talk about it right now. I actually never saw the Hobbit. I it, it wasn't for me. Okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not into the the fantasy genre as a sure. genre. I've read the, I've read the books and the Hobbit. It just I don't know. At the time it all hit, I didn't have the attention span for just the regular version. So yeah, you you throw that and and I'm I'm just out on that. Well, and and <laughs> and the thing the the point that I wanted to bring to it was like, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I watch it regularly. For me, it's one of those like sets of movies that I can put on in the background and then tune in when I want to tune in and then do other things. Sure, because it's just like a comfort movie, yeah. right? But I yeah. exclusively watch the extended editions. I couldn't tell you what are the extra okay. scenes at this point because. I saw the original cuts in the movies, the theatrical cuts in the movies, and I don't think I've seen the theatrical cuts since. But the thing about that is those movies, you could watch the theatrical cut and understand exactly what was going on and not feel like you were missing yeah. things, right? So the extended right. edition is oh, there yeah. for people who want more of the good, but you have to have the good right. in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's, have, you, have you seen the extended version of Batman v Superman? No, I have not. I will say this, as much as I hated the theatrical, Batman v Superman did fix a few of those because there was a lot of things that were unearned, unexplained. When you watch the theatrical, you're like, well, why did they cut this out? This adds context to what that was. Right. Yes. And it shouldn't be that way. The problem <laughs> is Zack Snyder's been making movies for a while, right? It's not like, it's not like yeah. he doesn't know that there is a time frame he has to fit into. <laughs> right. Or right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're that kind of a filmmaker where you insist like listen, I need this movie to be 3 hours long. And studio, I need yeah. you to back me on it or it's going to get panned. Yeah. Like you can only make that kind of a movie if you have that kind of sway to make that long of a movie. There's a reason we all went and saw Avengers Endgame that was three and a half hours long and it's because the Russos yeah. could get away with it. <laughs> well, no, it's because they earned it. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, but that's, it, I guess, it, what I'm saying. It, it, it all goes back to earning things. DC tried to go from zero to 100 in, in no seconds flat, and yeah. they just, this is what you get. Do you think <laughs> Do you think they tried to ride, the, they've been trying to ride the wave of goodwill from The Dark Knight ever since? Because that movie was, yeah. everyone loved that movie. The Dark Knight, it was awesome. It's It's one of, it's like, it's a superhero movie that's also considered one of the best films of the modern era, which is hard to do, right? Right. And, and even all the way to the point of, like, David Goyer, like, who was one of the writers on Dark Knight, being one of the writers on Man of Steel. Right. They were definitely saying, like, oh, that's what's putting butts in the seat. Let's, let's, go, let's go hyper gritty, you but know? you can't make a gritty Superman movie. You can't do it. Yeah, as as much as as much as I gotta, you know, some of the effects are a little bit laughable. But you show me 1978 Superman one, or here's another funny one. You show me the Richard Donner cut yeah. that puts of Superman two. That's another. That's another. Give me a different cut of a movie that makes it better. Yeah, and I will say that's my Superman. Yeah, you know it. it, it I, I listened to your Batman sh episode that you did, and it's like, who's your Batman? And let's take Kevin Connors out of the out of the discussion because that one's obvious. Yeah, I think Ben Affleck was great. I do too. I really do. 
I had no problem with that casting back, way back when, when it was first announced, you know, mm-hmm. that he was going to be in Batman v Superman. And I like, I think I liked him the best. Well, no, I liked Gal Gadot the best, but I think I liked him the second yeah. best. Um, oh, no, I liked Barry Allen the He's second got... best. I think I liked him the third best. <laughs> But, uh, I like I like him the best. I like, you know, he's great as Batman, or he's great as Batman. He's great as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I thought that I thought Christian Bale was a great Bruce Wayne, but not a great Batman. I liked Michael Keaton in both. But Ben Affleck, like if you if you raised me on only comic books, and then you had me just pick them out of a lineup yeah. of who is Batman. I would tell you it's Ben Affleck. Oh, for sure. Now, Superman, he, look, he looks the part just, through and through. Superman, you just get you get the most vanilla, good-looking guy you can get, and that's Superman. And th- that's easy. It's <laughs> you know, Superman doesn't have to be charismatic, which you know his analog in the Marvel universe sort of being Captain America, right? And the way that Chris Evans made you actually like Captain America, yeah, I don't know. If you can do that with Superman. <laughs> I don't think you can because Captain America can be an underdog. And I think that's why you end up rooting for him. Even though he's a Boy Scout, yeah. you end up being like, but you know, but he, I don't even think it has to do with a, like a nationalism thing, which of course, originally Captain America was like disgusting nationalism, but we don't have to go there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just that, that Captain America can be the underdog and you can believe it. Yes. Superman again. It's the moment Superman shows up, all the dramatic tension is sucked out of a room. The only thing you could do against Superman is you can go after Lois, you can go after Martha, Jimmy Olsen, people at the Daily Planet. You can threaten the lives of other people right. because he's a Boy Scout. You can you can get you know the you can get the kryptonite. You had to come up with something. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's like I think it's also magic, and I think it's. A red sun, which I don't know. I don't have any of those laying around. I don't know about you, right? But <laughs> you know the one, the one Batman says where he says, "What's your power?" and he says, "I'm rich." Yeah, I love that line. Yeah, I do. I do too. And I also had to laugh though. It was another Joss Whedon snark moment that that almost was good and then ended up being bad. Was how did, Superman says, "How did you manage that?" and he says, "I bought the bank." And that line is good, but then the following line where he's like, it's kind of a habit of mine, was like, oh, God, you, like, you do, why? You had a funny line, a little quip, and then you had to be like, I guess it's a habit of mine. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, that question's going to get answered. I, it's just a matter of, like, I don't mind little snark. I like little quips sometimes, but again, they need to feel earned. They need to feel like something the character would actually say. And it doesn't. But what you're telling me is if Bruce Wayne had just said, I bought the bank. I would have been on and board. And not said anything. Huh. I, Interesting. Because, because Let's I ex- end it there. But, but, <laughs> but Eric, it's because I said the line with him without having seen the movie. Yes. I, but, so, <laughs> it so made what sense. I, what I'm getting at and not just. So you say half of that is okay and half of it's not. Well, yeah. Interesting. Precisely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, can we, one other thing I want to talk about Superman, cause Superman can go screw. Um, I love Henry Cavill. I, I do. I like Henry Cavill as an actor. I think he's a cool guy that from what I know about him personally, yeah. um, he could not pick an accent for Superman the whole time. No. When he, no. I thought, at first I wanted to think, I know Henry Cavill's British. I know that. I wanted to think that yeah. his using a slightly British accent as bad Superman was an, was a choice, was an intentional choice. But then when he came, we brought a Southern twang as, as Superman and it was subtle. Yeah. I was just like, and I know, I know Clark Kent's supposed to have grown up on a farm in Kansas, but he couldn't pick yeah. one. He couldn't yeah. pick one. That bothered me. But I mean, Russell Crowe is Jor-El. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think my big gripe about Superman in this universe is, the, the one thing that grounds Superman is him trying to act human as Clark Kent. Right. There's even that line that Batman says. Yeah, that never happened until the very end of Man of Steel. But if you think about Christopher Reeve, 
the fact that when he puts on the glasses, he hunches over. Right. He starts like being absent-minded, knocking things over, and yeah. not being smooth. Ladies. Yeah. Like people always say, "Oh, why is it the put on the glasses and you can't tell who it is?" It's because when Christopher Reeve did that, he added this vulnerability. He added this thing where he was trying his best to act human. Right. And act like vulnerable and they never brought that into this universe yeah and henry cavill could have done that yeah and even dean kane if you remember the adventures of superman and yes he could he could have done he did that and and that i'm not gonna say like that was a triumph of a television series but it was good it was enjoyable yeah and he did that you're right the 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 glasses aren't what does it it's that he recognizes i have to change everything about my disposition for people to, to not see the similarity I, I think it, it's just like you're talking about character development. A character trait is not an outfit you wear or a thing you do. Right. A character trait is who you are, and that's what Whedon didn't do. <laughs> Correct, because honestly, so much of the what they do is interchangeable, and the things they yeah. say are interchangeable. That yeah, oh, yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> it you, just it doesn't you land. Give, you give the funny line. Whoever hasn't talked in a while. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just felt too like um, the Barry Allen thing was maybe one of the best like through lines where they actually introduced you to a character, you understood his motivations t- to the mo- for the most part, you understood that he was just like he went along because he was just a kid and he was excited. Um, yeah. And then and yeah. then they end up paying that off with him getting a, a job at a crime lab, which. Right. Presumably, Bruce Wayne set that up for him. Honestly, though, you never see the resolution of the cyborg storyline, which, again, two hours, no. I get it. But then don't yeah. don't make us care so much about it and then not pay it off. Ah. Right. <laughs> right. I, remind me, when was uh, Captain America Civil War? Civil War, uh, I want to because... say was this. I want to say it was 2016. Because the scene where uh, Peter Parker gets home and goes into his house, and Robert Downey Jr. is already sitting there. Yep. He wants to recruit him for a thing, because yep. I know what you can do. Who are you, and how do you know what I can do? That is, I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. You, you, could swap, you could swap those scenes in each movie, and it would be the same. But see, I lo- <laughs> but I loved that scene. I liked that scene. It was a oh, good I did, scene. I did, too. Civil yeah. War was 2016, yeah. by the way. Um, so it was a year yeah, before the yeah. theatrical cut. No, there are some things they did really well and that are just tropes in the superhero genre. Yeah. You do sure, have the sure. moment the mentor shows up. And sometimes, I mean, Marvel does it constantly. Nick Fury is that guy in a lot of movies, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm not I, I'm not complaining about the things that are superhero tropes. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't think you are either. Um, I, no, I just, no, no. I always bug. I'm going to do a thing that I usually get um, irritated at people for doing, which is like picking on the consistency of the science, quote unquote. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But like, even things like they make sure to tell you that Barry Allen's suit is made out of the same stuff plating on, like, as on space shuttles. <laughs> right. And then, right. and then they constantly show him jetting around, picking up people and carrying them to place of safety. Oh, the, the physics of acceleration with bodies yeah right shouldn't that mean that they burn up if he has to wear a special suit like just don't say it don't do it and can i tell you the other thing that bugged me barry allen deserved slow-mo i I, slow-mo in that character is necessary don't squander all your slow-mo on other characters doing stuff then i do enjoy that they had to look at two different quicksilvers and say right. how how do we do this again without that scene that Quicksilver like saves, up, saves the X mentioned for blowing up right. is the quintessential slow motion scene. Yes. So the fact that the speed force is shown in sort of a speed up, slow down, and not just a standard. Oh, I'm gonna put in my cassette, and play it too fast, and it'll be you know. It's not yeah. just a constant. I do appreciate how they pull off the speed force. Agreed. 
I'm yeah. saying that I, d- I didn't like it when they g- then let other characters have the same thing. Well, that's a Snyder thing. Snyder is all about I, that slow motion. I get and it. And I know that it's like a dramatic about, effect thing. I don't know. It just, to me, it felt like Barry Allen, the Flash, had a cool thing, and then it got overused because other characters also got to do it, essentially. It's just, a, it's yeah, it's just pick your... Again, not earned. I don't have a problem with slow-mo in films. It just like takes this thing that you've established as a trope for one character and it yeah. beats it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last like huge gripe I had about this is and and it, I saw it again in Wonder Woman is that horrendous red color grading in the final scene. Yeah. Like, I'm yes, yes. so sick of that. I mean, it's it's a you always got to have some kind of sky beam or whatever that the that sure. they get at the end. I get it, and it's a big thing. But that red color grading, I think it happens in Batman versus Superman. I know it happens in uh, Wonder Woman. It's just I'm so sick of that oversaturated yeah. red color grading that makes my eyes hurt. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It it's just it's it's become a meme at this point because it's so overused. Yeah. This movie could have been something. I just, you know, and let's talk about, uh, you know, and I'm interested to see how the extended edition handles this. Snyder's vision is originally for this movie to be I, you know, either a series of movies or one long movie. Can I yeah. tell you what would have been a really exciting end for Justice League Part 1 that I mean uh-huh. would have really set things up is they resurrect Superman. He goes ham on them, shows them all up, flies away. That's the end of the movie. That's a that by the way, that's a super exciting cliffhanger. Fast forward a year to when they release Justice League Part Two, and the very first scene in the movie is he and Lois Lane like walking away or walking towards the old farm and him starting to remember who he is. That to me, do if you do that, people are that's a good cliffhanger and that's a good way to come back to it first thing in the next movie. I don't know. Just squandered, squandered opportunity. What would be interesting, and I didn't do this, is when you're watching the extended edition, look at two different things. When yeah. that happens, hit the stopwatch. See when that yeah. happens. Yeah. The other thing is also see what falls exactly halfway. Yeah. I would be that, curious. That is very interesting. And I, I always look at if you think about uh, an Infinity War into an Endgame, or yeah. a Justice League 1 into a Justice League 2, you almost got to do an Empire Strikes Back into Return of the Deadeye where you the absolutely first movie have ends to. bleak. You almost have more problems than you started with because the thing about them waking up Superman is it also made the mother box tell uh, Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf I, couldn't of, I couldn't even think of a Steppenwolf's name. What does that tell you? Yeah. It's, it tells Steppenwolf where it is. So we have a right. bigger problem than we began with. <laughs> uh, and th- and this also solves the problem, by the way, of wanting to make a movie that is equal parts gritty and hopeful, is that yeah. part one is the gritty Empire Strikes Back where things, yeah, you through your own choices, you've made things worse. Yep. And yeah, then then the second movie can be the triumphant. And then you can spend time having... Clark Kent remember who he is to yeah. have that struggle of like I don't want to go back into the fight I don't want to die again having Lois I don't there wanna, I don't want to lose Lois Lane again right like and is, to- yeah. Tony Stark did that in in uh, uh Endgame and it really works you need the oh, yeah. thing like the the problem solving superhero who has died or has who has come close to losing everything you need them to have that struggle so that yeah. when they come back to into the fray again it feels earned there's just so much stuff that just they just <laughs> don't earn anyway again um again i am very interested to see number one what is halfway of that four hours and number yeah. two where that scene falls because i can almost i can also say this movie works the extended edition works as seven parts but we can go in, we'll go into that next time yeah I do have a, I do have a question for you. You've seen this. Yeah. What's your grade? Or, or oh, your numbering? Man. Where where do you rank this? Or 
this movie is as bad as X superhero movie, or I just want to know where this falls because I want a metric yeah. to compare the next one to. So my instinct, if I were a professor and this was a term paper, this is one where I would email the student and say, I just think you could do better work. I'm willing to give you an extra couple of days. You know what I mean? I felt like there. So to me, if I had to grade it, I'd give it a C minus because I just felt like there's things in there that could have been done well that weren't that just were squandered opportunities. I, uh, the, the professor thing is interesting. I think if I were a professor and this got handed to me as a as a final term paper, it seems to me that this is the paper that is of the star athlete that I have to pass. So he remains eligible. <laughs> So I let him pass just so he can play the big game. <laughs> I don't know even know about that because I think there is promise in this story and there are moments that work. And so to me, I, I don't hate that analogy, but it, to me it almost feels like there's a pupil in your class who's, who is consistently has good ideas and you see that, but they just, this oh, is them yeah. failing themselves. Just, so just I, I don't mind the star the athlete. Yeah. I, I don't mind the star athlete idea. Like, I don't know that I have to pass this movie. But I yeah, did have yeah. hope for it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's utterly squandered potential. They had everything to work with and didn't use any of it. <laughs> right. Or use so little of it, it's a shame. I do have one question. We're uh -huh. at the probably the end of this episode. I have a question about the end of this film. Okay. Was anyone else really bothered by the end of the movie getting to be narrated by Lois Lane? That so, was so jarring oh. to me. Be, it, yeah. Because, it, be, again, no precedent was set for it. Had it happened at any other point in the movie, I would have not questioned it. But the ending is narrated by Lois Lane, and I don't. I I like I like that character. It just again unearned. <laughs> to me, any sort of narration that hasn't been a thing stinks of reshoot. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like any sort of, uh, was it Blade Runner? Is it the director's commentary that is narrated or isn't? I can't remember. But to me, like if if all of a sudden a narrator pops in and they hadn't been there before, that stinks of like, you know, as a radio personality and 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 budding voice actor, that that's cheap, man. Yeah. I can get you're getting a voice for me right now in the middle of Arizona. So I can get yeah. a narrator at the drop of a hat. <laughs> it's very tell. It's also cheap, not in the monetary sense, but in the storytelling sense where it's very tell don't show. Oh yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Of course this movie has many stinky moments that stink of it. In fact, I had to laugh at them excusing one of them by having Aquaman holding the end of the truth lasso oh. to like, <laughs> To, like, nudge, nudge, this is why he's doing all the exposition right now. You know, that, that was that was kind of fun. I'll, I'll, I'll give Joss that one. That was kind of fun. I don't, I don't know that it was, though. Because like, no, to it, totally it didn't belong. Like, it belonged in the Saturday Night Live sketch that came yes. out the week, that, you know, the week that he hosted and they had a sketch with him. But in this movie, no, because tonally, they're going to try to save the, the world. Well, all, but also, Eric, Aquaman had just been telling not showing for the whole movie, so it doesn't stand out. Right. That's right. all he'd been yeah. doing was just was not earning any of the narrative juice. He just was doing the thing where you tell, don't show, and then to, at that moment, try to justify it. Your bad writing with the truth lasso, <laughs> was he holding it for every other scene he was in in the movie where he just was like, you dress like a bat and I got cool pecs. And I don't yeah. need you. Like, he literally says, I don't know if he says I've got cool pecs, but it's like, I'm not going to work, work with you. You're a, you're a bat, and I need to help these people. I'm afraid to go be the Prince of Atlantis. Like, oh, God. Yep. Anyway. What grade, by the way, are you giving it? We talked about the circumstances, but what's your grade for the theatrical cut, if you can remember it? I know it's been a while. When I saw it in the theater, I was un... Well... I was largely unsurprised about how bad it was because of how much I hated Batman v Superman. 
So yeah. that that eased the sting of it a little bit. I gave Batman v Superman like a D minus. And yeah. the only thing about that movie being the warehouse scene with Ben Affleck beating those guys up and definitely right. killing a few. But <laughs> yeah, I was there, that's another was, thing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely. You know, I was I was prepared. So I, I might give it about the same that I gave Batman v Superman, just because it didn't do the first thing for me. It wasn't really yeah. rewatchable. I tried to rewatch, you know, once it came out on a streaming streaming service, I tried to rewatch it and find some good in it again. I didn't make it through. I mean, yeah, that that's what it is right there. It's a it's an incomplete. I'll give it an incomplete. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know what? I think. I, I mean, I Stay gave it tuned. the grade of C minus, yeah. and I stand by it. But I I think to the point of like the professor that gives the paper back because they felt like you could do better. Yeah, incomplete. Yeah. Anyway, so you folks, this is that's uh, the theatrical cut of the Justice League. Obviously, the big hype right now is for the Snyder Cut. And next week, not only will we have Mark Finch, a.k.a. Chops, back, but Eric, I, I understand that you're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the extended edition, yes? I'm so excited to hear you talk about the extended <laughs> edition. I have been. Oh, are you? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if I've let anything spill out. I no. hope that people can watch this extended edition with a clean slate and an open heart. But I cannot wait. You just like that thing that happens when I get irritated and my octaves go up by like two. <laughs> You're just here for that, anyway. Oh yeah, folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you have thoughts about uh, if about the original Justice League, or if you you know what, try to spoil me. Go for it. Uh, you can find <laughs> Nerd Association on Twitter. Yeah, at me uh, by finding us uh, at Nerd Associ. That's N E R D underscore A S S O C. You can reach out to us via email, nerdassoc at gmail.com for what you'd like to hear us talk about or to even come on and be one of our nerds. Uh, thanks, Eric, brother from another mother, for, uh, for joining me this week. And thanks to you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week.